0: You're listening to The Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schram. Welcome to the show. Good to be back with you again, my friends, for another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Listen, I'm a little bit under the weather. My dogs are going crazy. You can probably hear them in the background. So uh, there are just a bunch of reasons for us to dive right into today's conversation with Emily. We talk about some really awesome things like prayer and and, and why God created us at all and, and sovereignty and free will. We really, we really hit everything a little bit today. So without further ado, I'm going to let Emily take it away and I'll see you back here in just a few moments
1: okay yeah so i i wanted you to elaborate on um a topic so i'm, I'm thinking that if you're if you're going to go in the direction that i think you will with it it will i will have some questions for you that i would love to um have some answers to or, or an attempt to answer sure. um uh, i know when we were in our small group uh we were we don't really get to dive deep into it but we were talking about why um Kind of the why God created us, why yeah. he created the world, why he created humans. And um it, it, it almost kind of rubbed me the wrong way, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. So my you know he I think he was diving into redemption and he talked a little bit about um it, it almost seemed very cold to me, almost um, why God created us and he doesn't need us, he doesn't necessarily want us, sure. and yet our our purpose in this life is to worship him and glorify him, and I absolutely get that, I know, and yeah. I'm thankful, and I and I try to live my life in a, in a sense of glorifying him, but it was like the way he presented it, it kind of opened up a couple doors for me where I was like, I, I didn't realize that and so, if can you elaborate a little bit yeah. in that area, and mm-hmm. and ultimately, I think you're going to go in a place that I think that I can start asking some more detailed questions
0: <laughs> about. Okay. All right. Cool. Now, now I'm nervous, like that I might not go in the right direction. So, and, yeah, but we'll, we'll try to we'll try to steer the ship here, right? We're we're kind of making it up as we as we go along. So, there are a couple different things going on in that in that question. And so I'll, I'll try to maybe back up and give a little bit of context for those who are listening since they're not in our small group with us, although they should be if they're in uh, anywhere near Statesville, North Carolina, they should come. But um, since nobody else, uh, presumably this listening is there, I'll give some context. So we are going through a book right now called the explicit gospel. Um, it was written by Matt Chandler and um, the, the book kind of takes you through two. There's kind of like two main sections Section number one is the gospel from the ground. Section number two is the gospel from the... Air. So, um, in in nerd kind of terms, the second part, the gospel from the air, really talks about the meta narrative of scripture: creation, fall, redemption, reconciliation, consummation, those things. And then the first half of the book is talking, or the first section at least, is talking about the gospel on the ground, which is kind of like you've heard the term, you know, boots on the ground, the practical. Um, you know, we are. Th- this is you know where where we're sinful. God um, is God is sovereign. God has created us, and we need redemption, right? So, so Jesus was sent, and and we can, um, because of His sacrifice on the cross, we can then live into that redemption that Jesus offers us. So that, that's kind of like the main thrust of the book, and so kind of the um, the the idea that keeps getting, you know, keep keeps surfacing is this idea that God is sovereign. God needs absolutely nothing god is totally self-existent in fact um last night our message at church was along these lines as well. It was actually a really good message. You know, it made the point, look, God is self-existent. He doesn't, he doesn't need, you know, anything in order to feel complete. I mean, a, a God that needed something else to be complete really wouldn't be that much of a God anyway. I mean, it, it, it you know, I mean, it, it's, if he is supreme, if he is self-existent, you know, existing in the tri-personal nature of the Trinity, then he doesn't need anything else. He's got everything he needs. He's got love. Um. You know, there's love in between the, the, the members of the Trinity. That's, why I think the Christian worldview is the only one that can even ground the concept of love. There's community there and and things of that nature. So, so, so the question then becomes, well, so like, why are we really here, right? This is probably one of the most existential, like, life questions that people really start asking. It almost sounds cliche, but it's so true. People want to know about their origin, their meaning, and their destiny and their morality, like how should how should they live? How, sh- how Why are we here? What are we supposed to do? How should we live while we're here? What is it all for? And the Christian can say that on atheism, there really doesn't seem to be any reason for um, living, no no grander purpose for life. Um, and the Christian would critique the atheist on, on that and say, well, there's ultimately, if atheism is true, life is, uh, is meaningless. The only meaning you can possibly have is in the meaning that you create for yourself. And, and that's a subjective meaning. I mean, it doesn't have anything ultimate. There's no ultimate purpose to reality. Whereas the Christian wants to argue since God created, there is an ultimate purpose to reality because you were therefore created for a purpose for a reason. So the fundamental kind of distinction to make here um, is, is understanding that, there's a difference between what God needs and what God wants. Um, these are two very, very different things, and both are important and, and both have a lot of uh, of unpacking that needs to happen behind them. But basically it is 100% true to say that God does not need any of us. God, the way that, that, that specifically that Stuart has been putting it is, uh, that God is for God. And, um, I mean, it's true. I mean, as you as you read the Bible, you understand that um, there is no need of God for anything. Everything God does, He does because He wants to. It's his. It's by His pleasure. Um, Re- Revelation four eleven talks about that specifically. Everything is 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 for God's pleasure. But you can't read the Bible without throughout the whole thing without getting this sense that if if there was no purpose for us or if there was no meaning for us or or if God didn't want us then God sure went through a heck of a lot of a trouble a, a heck of a lot of trouble for no reason at all um and, and so uh, why did he why did he create a people knowing that they would fall into sin now there's another question all of its own right but why did he create a people um knowing that they would fall into sin. Why did he redeem those people constantly? Uh, the other night we talked about uh, mercy on Wednesday night when I I taught, and and, and and I made the point, like, all throughout history, you see the mercy of God acting through his people. When Adam failed, Noah picked up the story, right? When, when Noah went off the scene, Abraham picked up the story. Abraham went off the scene, Moses picked up you know, well Joseph, and then Moses, and then and then uh, eventually Joseph was replaced by the judges. The judges were replaced by righteous kings. You know, the righteous kings by Nehemiah and Ezra, and, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And eventually, they were all replaced by Jesus, who who took the penalty and the weight of sin for the whole world upon his his own shoulders. And, and the question you have to ask then is, why, why, why that? And, and that's where you get to the other side of the coin, which is the want God. Does not need us, but God absolutely wants us because God wants a family. And I use the analogy, and I'll just you know for the benefit of, of those listening, I'll I'll just repeat it. Um, a lot of a lot of these questions can be answered, at least, uh, maybe not answered. That might be the wrong way to put it, but at least they can be made reasonable to us by just considering things in our in our own lives in our own situations. And so I, I, mentioned, um, to you in class, the, the idea about children, uh, uh, children, us, we have children and, and we don't necessarily, um, need children. Um, none of us you know, I mean, maybe sometimes we, we have children because we have this idea that children complete us. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think that's actually a wrong view of having children. Um, you know, having children is another thing that should be done, you know, raising them up by the nurture and the admonition of of the Lord as Christians. Anyway, we have a good reason for wanting to reproduce and and fill and multiply the earth, just like the Lord told us to when he created. And so we don't, have children because we need them. We, we need them to complete us. Certainly many of our marriages could, could probably thrive in an in a even greater way if children weren't in the picture, and that's just the, the honest truth. And so why do we have children? And the reason is because, at least in most cases, because we want children. And we can extend the analogy even further and say, well, we know that when we have children, they are going to sin against us they are going to disobey us they are going to sin against God they're not sin against us they're going to sin against God they're going to disobey us they're uh, they're going to be extremely unwieldy extremely unpredictable who knows they could even grow up one day and and become you know serial killers God forbid or or, or, or whatever we just don't know but ultimately we want kids and so, we have them we sacrifice time we sacrifice our money we sacrifice our our food you know we we all these things that we sacrifice and we and we give up simply because we want them and more specifically we want a family we want a family and i think that is the answer to the question of why did god create us yes it is true god created us for his glory for his pleasure um, that he would be glorified. That's absolutely true. Rome. Again, like I said, revelation four eleven I think makes that fairly clear. And I, I could look it up and read it if I need to here. But, um, beyond that, it seems like God really wants a family, both a spiritual family and a human family. And so, so that I'll, I'll, I'll let you come in now here. Uh, Emily, that that's kind of where the, 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 at least the direction that I would take the conversation is understanding that difference between what God needs and what God wants.
1: Absolutely, and and the part of it that has I've, that has been a big question to me that's really bothered me for years and years and years, and I've actually brought this up to you. It's, it's been a few years now. Um, was yes, God made us because He wants us mm-hmm. because He needs nothing. So therefore, if He did not create us, we would not exist, and therefore. Um, we wouldn't have to worry about people dying and going to hell we wouldn't mm-hmm. have to worry about the sinful nature of human beings right so i struggled for years and years with this idea of yes i want to have children i don't need them but i have a child i do not have omnipotence i do not know sure. what their future holds i do not know if they're going to be a serial killer right but my my goal with my child because i do not know the future is that i am raising this child to love the lord to live a wonderful, happy life, to give them everything that they desire and spoil the absolute heck out <laughs> of them and I probably shouldn't. But um, the idea there is I'm, I'm trying to set them up for the future that I do not know. Mm-hmm. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I look at my daughter and I look at my son and I love them with all my heart. And um, you hear the saying like, oh, it's better to have loved and lost and to never loved at all, right? Mm-hmm. But if I knew, if I knew that their future was an all eternity in hell. I got to say I wouldn't have them mm. because I wouldn't want that future for them of not just a future, but like all eternity. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then here God is on his throne and, and I sound a little bit like a brat and I'm not trying to be disrespectful <laughs> at all, yeah. at all, right?
0: Understood. Now. Yeah, totally.
1: But I'm just, I, I want you to see inside my mind where I'm just like pin picking every little thing like, um, this doesn't sound right. right. So you're sitting on your throne and you're like, Hey, I want a family. I want children. I want this. I want to share this love that we share between the, trini- the Trinity, but I want to share it with, with a human race yeah. where they'll be able to worship me um because I love them and that kind of thing. But knowing the future, knowing that I'm I'm going to create billions and billions of people and they're going to go to hell. Yeah. And and, and I struggled for years with this because to me, that's just such a waste, such a, mm. a, a almost cruel thing to do when we didn't even have to exist in the first place. Yeah. So this is way out in left field. I don't know if anybody thinks of this question. But do you have, you know, and and again, we talked about it a little bit. It did help me, but I I want to hear it again. I want to kind of go back to this, like, why did he make Mm. us, like, not really what my purpose is, but what's his purpose in letting so many people ultimately die and go to hell?
0: Yeah, that's a good, it's a really good question, a good thought. And it is something that actually a lot of people struggle with, right? It's, it's certainly not just you. I mean, you know, this is, uh, this is one of those atheist maker kind of questions, right? Cause people struggle with this and they never get a satisfactory, satisfactory kind of answer. Um, you know, I, I would say a couple things, you know, this, as with most why questions, you know, there are certain things that we are limited in capacity to understand. I'll just preface it with that, right? Like, like we, we will, we, right now the Bible says we see through a, gra- a, a glass darkly. So as uncomfortable as it is, there is that element of, of trust and that element of who are you, you know, God telling Job, who are you to tell me, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Like, were you there when the foundations of the earth were laid, you know, um, et cetera. It's, it's almost kind of like, and, and I don't even, this isn't even my main point. I have two other points I want to make, but, but I feel like I want to yeah. drill in on this real quick. Um, we tell our... I hope I can make make my point with this. We tell our kids not to play with knives, not to use a knife, even if they maybe they're not playing with it, maybe they're they're cutting their sandwich or whatever. And yet we we will take the knife and then we will do the exact thing with the knife that we told them not to do. Yeah. And you might someone might say, "Oh, how dare you? That's a double standard and the answer is yeah you're right it is a double standard but it's a double standard for the safety and protection of uh, of of our children in other words we have we have sufficient reasons behind it right that 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 the children are literally not even cognitively able to comprehend why we made that decision this is why when we tell kids don't do this you are going to die my kids have a problem with like like, they'll stop breathing after they you know like if they're in this intense crying fit and we've gone through it enough times like to know what to expect and how to deal with it and everything and and sometimes we'll we'll somewhat jokingly say you have to breathe or you are going to die and and it's like you know what i mean so it's like there are these things where and so so there's an element to this that we have to understand that that so as our ways are much higher than our children's, God's ways are higher than ours. That's not comfortable, but we have to say that, okay? Because it's true. We do at least have to factor that into the conversation. Sometimes there is a double standard. Sometimes we don't get to know, and that's part of trust, right? That's part of trust is trusting that our Father knows. Now, um, another general point that I want to make um, before I go into the other two things that I wanted to say is... Um, to escape challenges like this, um, a lot of times you have to, you, you, at least when you're maneuvering in conversations, you don't necessarily have to be able to answer the challenge. You just have to be able to escape the challenge. For example, if if, if somebody said, and and this should be actually satisfactory, satisfactorily, you know, maybe not emotionally, but but it should be satisfactory from a logical standpoint of like if if it's if it's true that that if it's at least possible even, that God could have morally sufficient reasons for certain people going to hell and certain people going to heaven, then that at least goes a little bit of distance toward escaping the challenge of that God is actually cruel or something like that. If they're, you know, think about the butterfly effect, like, you know, things like that, where, where a little thing that you change today can have massive effects in the future such that you, you know, don't know that the, the, um, the most practical way that I can think to bring this down is something like a funeral where somebody passes away seemingly before their time. But then at the, at the funeral, 20 people receive Christ and are now, you know, get to spend eternity with the Lord that wouldn't have been there before. There are things like that that don't happen and don't manifest so quickly. Um, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years from now, something terrible that happened today will manifest in its ultimate purpose or maybe 20 or years after you die. That ultimate purpose will be manifested. That is the kind of thing that God, in His omniscience, omniscience His His all knowingness, right? In that that he can know that we can't. So that's that's kind of like the boots on the ground way of saying, yeah, God's ways are higher than ours. Just by virtue of who God is, he can know what we could never possibly know. And if we're fortunate, if we're blessed, if we're lucky enough, we'll get to see some of that fulfillment work out in our lifetimes, but sometimes we will we will not. So I so those are t- overarching points. So I have two specific ways that I would address sort of your 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 question. The one way that I told you before, um, is that I, I went down this road and I think it's a good road to go down. Um, that, that, uh, I first heard it from RC Sproul. Um, and the idea is just that like, why? Like, like it's the wrong question to ask, right? Like, 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 why did God create anybody and send people to hell? Well, the question really is with the way that we have transgressed against God, why should God offer redemption to anybody at all? Why offer salvation to anybody at all? I mean, let, I, I don't know about you, but I know me and I, I know I have a daily awareness of how unworthy I am. and 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 my my sense is that you do too and my sense is that most other people do um as well and so the the question you know and again this is maybe a little bit more um i guess you know blunt than i would put it but but it is i think it is a good point you know like like why would god rescue anybody god didn't have to do anything god didn't have to 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 send his son jesus and crucify him on the on, on a cross for, for the entire world I mean to take on and worse than just taking on um, the punishment of the cross like actually taking on the weight and the punishment of 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 sin. I mean I mean God created not only knowing that we would sin but knowing that he would redeem us from sin and that's a fantastic and just you know marvelous point to think about really is that God not only foresaw the transgression but he saw the redemption as well and knew that he would have to go through that. And that is how bad he, he wanted us. So I I do think it's, it's at least worth pointing out that God didn't have to do this for anybody. We could all be just tossed to the wayside. And I mean, think about it in history. That's actually kind of what happened, right? So the, the, so God creates Adam, Adam's race falls. Okay. He destroys the entire world except Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, gives Noah and his family a chance to carry on God's name and God's work in the world. Okay, same thing happens. Again, after Noah's generation, every they transgressed, they built the tower of Babel, which was not just like, hey, a bunch of people got together and started like building a Lego tower and then God got mad. Like that's 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 kind of like the children's version of it that we don't think about. Like no, like what these people were doing was complete and utter idolatry. It was they were building these towers to summon demons and worship demons instead of God. And so God scatters the nations, makes it to where they can't communicate with each other and and Again, this gets into divine council stuff, but then, but then, actually, allot[s] to the nations, beings that that are under God's you know control and care. He disinherits them, is what the terminology is. He disinherits those nations, and then supernaturally creates for Himself a nation out of Israel. It says, "Okay, forget all these other guys. I'm going to carry it through with." With with Israel and then what happens Israel same thing, eventually it takes a little bit longer but eventually Israel completely betrays God again and and this time it just happens over and over again you get these little mini episodes of redemption and then transgression redemption transgression redemption transgression and then eventually in Jesus what God decides to do is make it to where there's no longer any Jew or Gentile or male or female in Jesus, all are one in, in Christ. And so then God decides to redeem the whole world. So all of that trouble, God didn't have to do any of it. He could have just said, Oh, that didn't really work out. And then, you know, and then we're done, right? Like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just like try all over again. We'll like create earth 2.0 and like, you know, do something entirely different. So, so that's, that's one way of thinking about it. Um, another, another thing is that the concept of free will. Okay. Now this is again, tons of theological baggage here that that we're talking through, but I believe that humans are created with a genuine free will. Okay. When I say genuine free will, I mean a free will in what's called the libertarian sense. So that is at least some of the time you have Options A, option B, option C or whatever and you always have had the – not always but you would have had the choice at least some of the time to choose otherwise. So at least some of the time you could choose out of your own free will and volition B instead of A or A. Instead of B, whatever. Now, not all the time. Sometimes you're going to, your hand will be forced. But if at least some of the time you really do have the ability to choose between a range of options, then you have what is called libertarian free will. And, um, I believe that 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 free will and God's sovereignty are not in contradiction. That probably goes beyond the context of this episode. Maybe we can get into that, though, um, in, in, in the next one or two. But the idea being that we still have genuine free will. Now, the, I don't hold to what is called Calvinism. Okay, so Calvinism is a theological system that—and that, that and, and mostly a soteriological satiri- system, which means it has to do with the nature of salvation—that— um, that would say that humans do not have libertarian free will. Um, they will say that they have compatibilistic free will, which simply means that your will—you—you you are free to do that which your will most desires to do. And the key differentiator there is when you are in sin, you are not redeemed by the Lord. When you are living and your father is the devil, etc., you are you are hopelessly bound to only sin. You are you are everything you do is in is in contradiction to what God wants. You are in sin. The only way you can be redeemed is if God initiates that redemption in you and orient your will towards his pleasure and his purpose. And, and only then does, does redemption happen. So it kind of changes the, the order of things. It, it it says, okay, well God changes your will and then you place your faith in him. And so I think this objection of why does God create people knowing that some will go to hell and some will go to heaven. I think free will is a really big player in that equation I think, and again, this is where I have, I have dear, dear Calvinist brothers and sisters who will, who will, who will disagree with me here. And I, I Lord, I hope and pray that I'm ac- you know accurately representing their their view. I definitely don't want to misrepresent. But on their view, I think that your challenge is very difficult to overcome because. Be, because there's just no way to escape. And even Calvin said this himself. There's really just no way to escape this idea of what what's often called double predestination. So sometimes uh, Calvinists want to say they don't hold to this. Basically, there are some that are predestined to heaven and then others end up going to hell. I, I, I think it's fair to say it that way. Some are predestined to heaven and then the others end up going to hell in their in their sin, um, Calvin, the the person whose view Calvinism is is named after, didn't see it that way. Um, from what I understand, Calvin saw the logical necessity of if God predestines some to heaven, then God logically predestines others to hell, and that is problematic to me. To me, that is a very problematic view that says that God created these people with the intent of their of their going to hell and then in that scenario god is glorified and god will be glorified and i greatly respect my brothers who see it that way and my sisters who see it that way i do not see it that way i think that is a a gross misrepresentation of the character of God that we see in scripture personally. I just personally believe that. And I and I, so I, I think that we are given, I think that the scriptures show that we have a measure of free will. And I think that if God in his creation honors your will, then it is entirely just and fair. By the way, God is always just and fair. The fact that somebody goes to hell or goes to heaven, like I'm certainly not denying that regardless. I mean, God is God, right? God's ways are higher than mine. I could be totally wrong about this and I promise God would be right and me wrong. But the idea here is that if your free will is honored, then I don't see any problem here because everybody genuinely has the chance. If everybody is genuinely given the chance to follow Christ, and to, to to follow him in faith, then every person – and I, I again, this is beyond the scope of this podcast episode, how that works out. But I believe that every person who would have believed in Christ if given the chance to hear about him will be – will believe in Christ, okay, or will be given the opportunity to um, accept him. I think we have enough data in Scripture to work out that sort of scenario. So, um, anyway, so so that's where I'm at with that. So, I, in other words, I think anybody who is in hell is in hell um, because they either did not, they either did reject Christ or would have rejected Christ, rejected Christ had they heard that Christ was an option. You know, people talk about how to, you know, people in New Guinea, like here, well, you know, there's missionaries, there's all this. I think everybody is given a chance based on um, the light that they have, based on the knowledge and the information that they have. Everybody is given a chance to either accept or, or reject Christ. And um, those who reject out of their own free will will be honored by God. He will honor their choice and he will, he will separate from them forever. And that's what Christians call hell separation from God um, forever. So, uh, any, well, that's a lot of just threw at you. Any, any, any thoughts Absolutely. or come back? Yeah, so I
1: took, away, I took away two things based on the, the second point when you're talking about the free will, Yeah. um, the, what, what really helps me in understanding that like, yes, like you said, sovereignty and free will, they kind of contradict one another. However, in this scope of things is probably, you know, hours upon hours of explanation, but if you just look at the basics that we, if we truly have the free will that we're told we have, everyone has the chance to go to heaven, you know, and ultimately God knows, but he, but he doesn't know somehow, which I kind of wrapping my my mind around, but the way I can answer that for myself is prayer, because why would we pray if, you know, if, if there was this, this, everything's already predestined 100%. Why why would I pray for my my son or my daughter to be um saved? Why would I even pray about um such and such who has cancer or in, in the hospital? I mean, why yes. would I take the time to and, and why would it be pushed so hard in the scriptures to have this relationship and, and and pray if ultimately it's a waste of breath and a waste of time? Yeah. So I think that idea goes very hand in hand of you know, we we have to understand that we genuinely have that free will, and ultimately can change the course of history that hasn't really been, you know, that's written right. down. Yet.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that's that's right. And and this maybe we can even di- dive into this real real deep next time. But I'll just give a, a, a brief thing here. Is is right? I, I think that only certain views of how God's sovereignty interacts with free will make a meaningful sense of prayer why pray um and and, and, and in the view that I hold which I, I will not try to explain right now but but just in general in the view that I hold is that when God creates a world he can see right into the into the, he knows what what every person would do and God knows if you would pray, in a, if put in a certain situation for that situation. And and therefore we can, we are, we are sort of co-creators of the world with God on, on my view in that God can actually take into account before his actual creation. He can take into account the prayers of his people and, and make decisions based on that. So it's not as though God is kind of winging it and making decisions in real time. No, predestination is a fact. I mean, it's in the, bio, it, it's, it's the, the way that things will play out. They will play out that way. They will play out exactly how God knows they will. However, things could have played out in a different situation based on how God arranged the world. And I think he takes into account our prayers and our decisions when creating. And so we we can maybe dive into a, a deeper discussion of that later. But but yeah, on my view, prayer is meaningful and it, it makes a it makes a real difference. Not 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 a a, a superficial difference in in, in, in in like a, well, pray because we should kind of thing. No, it, it makes a real tangible difference in the world when we, when we pray, um, why else would we pray? I mean, the Bible seems to suggest that when we pray, we have the power to move the arm of God, at least to some degree, if it, if it aligns with his will. And so, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, was that it? Did you have any other takeaway from well, that that you were going to say?
1: Yeah. The second part of that was the, the first point that you made when you were talking about, um, you know, the we're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I, I did take away from you a couple of years ago was, you know, don't ask the question of, you know, why why would God create people and, and send them to hell? But honestly, why would He um create me? I'm unworthy to have such the unfathomable amazing gift of heaven one day. You know, that's yeah. that's what I have in store. And it's 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 that it's that wonderful and that amazing that it's worth the fact that there will be those that fall. Um, but then it just I don't know, the 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 movie, um, what's it called? Inside out. Is it like yes, Star uh-huh. or Disney? Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't have happiness without yeah. sadness. I don't know. I wrote that down because that's just really the, the thing that popped in my head. You don't really know Good how high you are on the mountaintop if you've never experienced the valleys. And yep. so maybe it's just, maybe it's just an not that it's an idea because obviously it's more than an idea. It's actually happening. Mm-hmm. But if there, if there ultimately was, you know, a hell, but the hell ended, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, you don't really, you don't really know what you're missing without, the opposite
0: yeah there is there is this people often ask the question why doesn't god just create everybody in heaven you know like, like 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 why like why didn't it like like you know why didn't he just create paradise the answer is he did but he gave us free will and so we chose to rebel the other al- only alternative is that we are basically robots right and so there is this idea of um of moral preparedness i, I think i'm Using that term at least somewhat properly, there's this idea of of of, of moral preparation that you go through this life um, as a um, not not solely for this purpose, but an element of this of it is that we go through this life for moral preparation for the world to come. Right? You 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 only understand the gift of grace and of eternity with God on the in the new heavens and a new earth if you've if you've understood the alternative, right? The alternative being this life here. This is why, um, what is what, what does it say? Um, the Apostle Paul says that there's, just to paraphrase it, it's basically that there's this there there's a time coming that the sufferings of our of our present time is not even worthy to be compared of 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 this time that is coming. But but because we do have that comparison, we have that reference point, and that's a great observation. You can't have the happiness without the without the sadness, and that's just a fact of life that is just that is just how life works it works that way in our everyday experience even the disney pixar people you know but you know just so you know it's it's, it's right you know but but yeah like it's a fact of our everyday life why wouldn't that be true on the grandest of scales mm-hmm. and And it would be, you know, it, 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 it would be So, all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Bible nerd podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, next week, it looks like we're going to be diving into one of my favorite topics, which is the, um, the, the working out of God's sovereignty versus free will. Uh, look, I feel like with, with some of these topics, I should just reiterate like that, that you guys are all my friends. Um, uh, i I have uh calvinist friends Arminian friends like we I'm not afraid to talk about things that are a little bit contentious uh, among the brethren um here on the podcast and so um I, I just I just hope anyone listening like you realize and understand that I'm doing my very best to, to accurately articulate some of these views and, and it's not as though I, I've put the hours of study into this as some others have, I mean, I've, I've definitely put many hours of study into it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I realized that I could be wrong here or there. So feel free to correct me on, on any points. If you'd like, you can always send an email to stevenstevestram.com. Just know that I'm doing my best to accurately, accurately, excuse me, represent these views and, uh, and, 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 you know, help, help just kind of teach multiple sides of the, of the coin here and, uh, and show you where I land and why. So God bless you. We'll see you guys next time, right here on the Bible nerd podcast.